this is Laura. And Steven. And this is our podcast, Midday Musings, where we take our lunch break to talk about the things that are on our mind. Today, we are talking about karaoke, automation, and whether our future will look more cyberpunk or solarpunk. Let's get into it. Hey there, Steven. Hey, Laura. What's... How are you? I'm good. What's up with you? What's... Well, I'm apparently speaking like William Shatner today. I don't know why, but there's some odd pausing in my speech. But here we are. Oh, yeah. yeah. The pauses are strange, but the lyricism is undeniable. You know, he had something. He had he something. Did, he did. He did. He had star quality. We make fun of it, but he is Sir William Shatner for a reason. I would be shocked if he was a sir, given that he's American. Is, is he not Sir William Shatner? Well, he's in my mind, he's Sir William Shatner. Yes, you've knighted him. I have. Personally. Because he deserves the title. He's great. Which is fine. Yeah. Because, fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, what's going on with you? Well, I'm enjoying a wonderfully sunny winter day. I am watching my cats prepare for battle with each other. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good. Fantastic. I'm over here eyeing them suspiciously because... Uh, folks, you may you may hear a little bit of a cat scuffle in the background. These two, they love to play. They love to play. That's what we're going to call it. Yes. One of them in particular loves mm-hmm. to initiate play and the other is there. The other one is like, have you ever had like a roommate that really is, you know, pleasant enough, you know, really nice, very, very just kind of put together, but does not like to be bothered ever. Just kind of wants to be left alone all the time, you know, at least by other other cats. That's that's our, our second cat. She's delightful. She's adorable. She loves us to death, but she doesn't want to have anything to do with other cats at all. No, she has a schedule. Mm-hmm. She is a lone wolf cat. Mm-hmm. The only thing that you can do if you add a cat to her life is worsen her day. But you know, I think it gives her character. It, it makes her it makes her more loving, I've found, to us at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah. one time that she was the only cat in the house, she went through a deep depression. It, it's very confusing. That's Actually, very no, confusing. no. I observe this sometimes in other human beings. When they don't have a struggle or yes. a challenge, they like go limp a little and like a little depressed. Yeah. A little motionless. I would say that this challenge fuels her. You know, having another cat in the house that follows her around, who honestly just wants to hang out with her. He just wants to say hi, just wants to play. And she's like, no, it seems to give her something because she is more alive than I've ever seen her. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was just coasting before. And now she is vibrant and awake and alive. Right. Oh, I love our little tuxedo cat. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She's so cute. Mm Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, honestly, I could talk about cats all day. But do we want to talk about cats? Do we want to talk about not cats? How are we feeling? How are y'all feeling out there in the audience today? What's on your mind? I wish I could reach through the microphone and just talk to you and ask you specifically, what are you thinking about today? I guess it's more of a Twitch stream format, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. We'll do a live stream sometime and you can... You can do whatever this is. Oh, I'm going to do all kinds <laughs> of weird stuff on the live stream. That's what's going to happen. Oh, I have no doubt. Be like, tell me about your day. Tell me your secrets. Now, please. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you want to talk about? I feel like we did one for me. We did one for you? Yeah, because oh. I was just like, let me tell you about the tutors. Yeah, okay. Well, what do I want to talk about? Oh, I know what I want to talk about. Yeah. I want to talk about karaoke. 
Okay, talk to me about karaoke and any additional Japanese cultural artifacts that you would like to talk about. Okay, so to be clear, there are two different types of known karaoke in the U.S. You've got the standard karaoke where you sing in front of a group, you're at a bar, and you have a mic, very exposed, but also can be very uh, invigorating if you have a performance bent. There's the other style of karaoke where it's a room, it's private, you book the time ahead of time, and you hang out with your friends and you sing. It's a little more private, a little more intimate. You can sing as much as you want, but you also don't have the giant crowd to work with. You don't have the crowd energy. What I want to talk about is a second one, because I've frequently done the first version of karaoke where you are out there, you are on stage at this bar, everyone's drunk. Most of the time people are either neutral or supportive. Oh. I don't think I've ever been booed or seen anyone be booed. The crowd is usually very supportive, even if you honestly suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if, if you're going to karaoke to boo people, like you need to get right with somebody. With, with one of the lords. And, with the god of your choice. Yeah, but I want to talk about the second version, which is the Japanese style karaoke, where you get in that room and it is such a beautiful experience because you hang out with a few people. It's very relaxed and mm. I haven't done it very much before, so I didn't realize how relaxed it could be. And you also get to sing as much as you want. And there is a fun button where you can call the server whenever you want to drink. And folks, you press that button and that server is there within five seconds. So you better be ready with the drink order. But also, they're not bugging you every five minutes. Like, do you want to drink? What's going on? So you can kind of just have your flow and press that button and call your server whenever you want. We covered this in an episode a couple of weeks ago, one of the customs in other countries that we wish we had in America. In Japan, it's very common to have server buttons. Yeah. And that is incredible. I wish that this was more standardized across the United States because it's good for you, the consumer of service, and it's good for servers, yeah. the givers of service. Yeah, it really is. And in this environment, in karaoke, you're sitting there, you're singing, and you know maybe you have a moment to, to rest. You press the button for a drink. Now, all of a sudden, you get your drink. They come in, they go, and they do their thing, and you can get back to it. And it's just a really good experience. If you've never done Japanese-style karaoke in that room, if you have people who are interested in karaoke, and they are very into it, and you're maybe not as much, because honestly, singing in front of a crowd can be very spooky if you don't have a performance inclination Japanese-style karaoke. You're just hanging out with your friends. You're goofing off. You're having a good time. And honestly, you can sing as much or as little as you want. You get mm -hmm. the room for three hours. And instead of going up and singing for, you know, maybe one or two songs, if you're in a, in a queue at like a, at a bar, you have three hours of songs you can sing. And you will get to sing whatever you want. So anyway, I love it. It's a little bit of Japanese culture within our culture. Also, they have, oh, they have disco lights sometimes. You can press oh, yeah. the button. Oh yeah, disco, disco lights, lights, a couple of audio effects, yeah. including applause, yeah, which, is which you should use liberally. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a really good experience. I love Japanese culture, as you've probably guessed. If you've listened to one of our other episodes about the boy and the heron and my rant about Miyazaki, a huge fan of Miyazaki and everything he does, as well as just Japanese culture in general. And this is one of those elements that I just really like. Another mm -hmm. one that I really enjoy is sushi bars, automated sushi bars, like Kura Sushi, where you have robots that bring you sushi. Oh, yeah. Automated restaurants. Yeah. Glorious. Yeah. Like you don't, you talk to the server, your whole experience is you show up, you talk to the server, you get signed up, and then you sit at the, at the sushi bar at your little table 
and you just grab plates off of the, the line. And you can also like just press a button and like have specific plates generated for you. And little robots will bring you stuff. Like they'll bring you your tea and your coffee and whatever. And it's just a fun, delightful experience. Again, because it means that the servers don't get bothered and you only really have to bother the server if you need help closing out your check. So to me, mm-hmm. we talk a lot about customer service uh, in the U.S. and how mm. it is a challenging experience, yes. both for those performing customer service and those who are receiving customer service. And this, to me, is an evolution of customer service. It means that the the people who run an area and would typically be customer service in a Japanese-style restaurant, whether it's karaoke bar or like a automated restaurant, it means that they can kind of just run the restaurant, clean things up, plan ahead, And they don't have to deal with all of the little things that can just be automated. It's all done in an automated fashion. And the people, it seems like it makes them a lot happier. The actual customers of the restaurant because they don't have to call a person. And if there's anything wrong with the thing, it's the robot who made the mistake and the person can fix it for you. So it creates, I think, a positive connection between both the customer and the customer service professional. So I would love to see more of these automated service Mm -hmm. things pop up. I don't think there's a danger of servers being eliminated as a result of this because you still have to run the restaurant, right? They can just do other things to run the restaurant. There's always something to do at a restaurant. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we already have existing staffing issues with front of house staff. So this solves that problem. And that's an especially big problem for like small businesses. If you can have an interface that does order taking, then that benefits everyone. You won't necessarily have a cashier on staff or a cashier for that that shift because shift work is difficult to fill. Right. We're fortunate enough to live in an area that is heavily Asian American. So we have a lot of systems that are taken from East Asian culture. We have, you know, boba places that have computer systems between you and your order. And then you're given your order by someone who is a server. A lot is digitized and it is Nice in a post-COVID world because it is cleaner. Mm-hmm. You're touching fewer things and you're not touching cash, which is notoriously dirty. Oh, yeah. So you're just working with a card system and an interface, a POS interface. If your challenge in staffing can be reduced if you're a small business owner, because that's another thing that is is quite common in our area, small business owners. Kitchen staff, you cannot replace, obviously. That's challenge enough yeah. for a restaurant owner. To get a kitchen staffed is hard. I did staffing for a TGI Fridays just out of college. And there were like two different lines of hiring, hiring for servers in front of house staff and hiring for the kitchen staff. They are different tracks. They have different challenges, but kitchen staff was like gold. Like it is literal gold and it will always be literal gold. Front of house staff, the challenges are more personal. And I, as a consumer, enjoy making my order to a computer. It feels right. We're all digital, not digital natives, but digitally competent now. And I think that's one of the nice things. To me, it isn't like replacing a human being any more than our advanced phone system is replacing the old operators who used to like patch you in to new calls. So in the middle of last century, you still had operators who are like icing their wrists because it's it's actually a very physically hard 
career to just be plugging things in, taking orders and plugging them in. Now, instead of doing that to cashiers who must perform customer service functions, as well as counting, as well as ordering, as well as sending information to kitchen, you can just reduce that to a computerized system giving you the order and then a customer service professional smoothing out your experience. Yeah. If it needs smoothing. You know, there there is a lot of concern about automation replacing jobs, but I don't believe that automation can replace a customer service professional at a restaurant any more than automation can replace a programmer because even if a programmer uses AI to generate preliminary code or uses Google to find the yeah. preliminary code, they still have to check it and make sure that it makes sense, make sure that it works for the system that they're integrating in, make sure that it works for you know the type of code they're working with. And the same thing with the, it elevates you. So instead of you being the one making the code or making the making the customer service experience, you manage, you curate the customer service experience in the, in the, uh, in the restaurant customer service role. So to me, that that actually frees you up to just make sure the restaurant runs better. You can optimize processes and efficiencies. Like, it's good. And we ignore the fact that, honestly, there aren't enough people to staff all of these businesses. Yeah. I mean, so the primary response I hear when people talk about automation is fear. They're like, taking our jobs. But they're ignoring the fact that we're not producing enough new people to fill the jobs of the future. Like, we're going to have a labor gap, and that's what automation will help us with. Like, that will that will prevent an economic, falling off an economic cliff, mm-hmm. having automation to fill the areas where human workers just aren't anymore. We, we are not reproducing at a rate that can keep up with the population in most westernized or advanced, like, East Asian countries. Totally. So these are advanced economies that will be confronting a very big problem in like 20, 30 years, unless, unless we um, effectively create a system to fill in labor gaps so that we can then redistribute the remaining human labor that we have to tasks that only humans can perform. Like AI is never going to replace human generative thought because AI can only mash together what's already existed. Mm-hmm. Human beings need to both proofread and create new things because that can't be automated. And the more we educate human beings, the less we need them to be in repetitive, <coughs> repetitive, automatable task areas. Oh, totally. So when I see automation, what I think is, oh, good, we're preparing to solve the problem we're going to confront. Yeah. And besides, even even though automation solves some of the staffing issues and it may you know, there may be some reduction of of types of jobs, but as you mentioned, those jobs are not getting filled up. It creates a ton of other opportunities and jobs for people to fill those roles. So I think people who are worried about automation taking our jobs, it's a limited perspective. You need to see what what is automation creating for you? What can it create for you? And are there skills that maybe you need to learn to fill that market need in the future. And like, I'm a bit of a futurist. I like to think Mm -hmm. about not what is, but what could be and what should be. And I think that's a big disconnect. I I hear people saying, oh, I hate that they changed this. I hate that this is different. I'm like, well, yeah, social media has changed. It has evolved, you know? Yeah. I saw someone ranting about how LinkedIn is Facebook and Facebook is Craigslist. And I'm like, I don't see an issue with that. I see that as these platforms were designed for one thing, but they have evolved. So I'm going to use them for what they are used for now 
and get move with the times, you know? That is a good perspective. Obviously, progress does leave some people behind, and, and we shouldn't ignore that. But as a historian and a futurist, what I can tell you is this. People's perspective on what jobs are are heavily influenced by the market revolution, which was a couple hundred years ago. Mm. So before the market revolution, most everyone worked for themselves. Like they were subsistence, right? Yeah. Or worked for someone in town that they knew. The market revolution was transportation revolution. It basically allowed us to transport goods across great distances very, very quickly, which created corporations as we know them today. Mm -hmm. So at about that time, people start working for people that they've never met. And that's, that's what builds the idea of jobs that we have presently, our contemporary job idea of working for a company mm, for a salary. Hmm. That is very new. That's like modern era new. But as the internet expands our global reach, it has that weird little contracting effect where we've become a global village again, yeah. where you're an individual producing something that can then be given to someone else thousands and thousands of miles away. You become a small business owner again, just like every human being like you before 1820. So, okay, there are two ideas of the future, aesthetic ideas of the future that strongly influence people's ideas. Those are cyberpunk, which is the dystopian idea of the future where we destroy all the trees and live in a rainy metropolitan cyber dystopia, mm -hmm. right? But there's also something called ecopunk. Oh, interesting. Where we utilize all of these technologies that we've made very, very small so that individuals can have them. So like the personalized computer, the personalized stove. They're talking about solar power that can light up a whole farm. They're talking about large machinery now that can then be made small and you can be an individual producer of everything. It creates nice. self-sufficiency, right? And that's what technology is honestly trying to give us. It's trying to reduce the labor load of being in a, an advanced economy. And it's trying to give us more time to create. That is, that is the idealized version of technology and really what most inventors go towards. Mm. Like the person who created the washing machine didn't want you to have less time in your day. They were trying to help you. And now you don't have to go and wash your clothes in the lake or the river like a mile away from your house. Yeah. You get like five hours back. Anyway, so ecopunk is the idea of the future that I see more probably happening. Because especially in America, we have such a decentralized, vast territory where there are metropolitan areas that are quite tightly bound together but we don't live in just miles and miles of city. We have miles and miles of wilderness, not just national parks, but undeveloped wilderness. Mm. Until the 1970s, the United States had something called the Homesteading Act, where you could actually set up a, a town or city by yourself if you were willing to like get the utilities in there. I envision that the instinct that drove people to homestead still lives within them now. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. If everybody mm. wants to go and go off and live on a commune, right? Like somewhere in you is that impulse on all sides of the political spectrum in all ages and, and levels of education. There's a rugged individualism that I think technology will actually help bring to a renewed fruition. I see more people building their own small businesses. Mm. I see more people trying to live off of their own efforts. And that is the direction that I see for the global economy on an individual level. Mm. Governments yeah. are going to do what governments do, but 
personal technology has advanced with such incredible speed. Like cell phones are incredible. And the cell phone idea, like putting the world in your hand, is being applied to all other technologies. Stoves are getting smaller. Energy units are getting smaller. And every, smarter. And smarter. Mm -hmm. Everything is getting smaller, which means every person can have one little thing. And enough of those little things will allow you to survive independently. Anyway, so that's my vision of the future, guys. Ecopunk. I love it. I think I've heard of it referred to as solar punk. I'm not sure if it's that, that's exactly the same thing. Oh, solar punk but, is actually what I mean. But ecopunk, solar punk, it's a beautiful vision of the future. It's a little less, I don't know, nihilistic, a little less pessimistic. Cyberpunk, though, I love the aesthetic. I love the 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 pow, the pizzazz, you know, all the lit screens and all of the, the quick distribution of goods and everything. But... I like philosophically the concept of eco or solar punk. That to me is the, the blend of, hey, things have changed, but now people have these small businesses and have the capability to make the world better through their own personal hands instead of relying on a large corporation. Yeah. And in all likelihood, both versions of reality are going to exist alongside each other. In cities, we might have something similar to cyberpunk and in less developed territories or just it's hard and expensive to run an advanced metropolitan economy that's why the roman empire failed because they could not afford to keep the western roman empire going yeah and i expect that that's what we'll see happen to certain governments like it's going to be too expensive to create full-scale urbanization everywhere and as urbanization recedes people are going to live on their own in in more natural mm -hmm. environments and i assume that's part of the ecopunk or solar punk aesthetic is that it's high tech but it's integrated with nature right? yes it's it's like having these high-tech devices and high-tech mechanisms but out in nature so it's like little villages with these high-tech devices and high-tech structures yeah. yeah grow your own food yeah. in these vertical farms Contact your friends on your personal computing device. Keep your house warm, your small house that you can like pop up anywhere, warm with your tiny little stove, mm -hmm. like make your own food. It's it's a vibe. Maybe that's why I like Miyazaki's films so much is so many of his films have a very distinctly solar punk vibe where people are out in nature, they're integrated into some hillside or some valley, but they have really advanced steampunk or futuristic devices that they use yeah. so they're not like rejecting technology they live out in a beautiful setting but they use technology to make their environment and themselves better yeah. and i'm a big fan of that i love that yeah me too i think it's the probable reality for a future in which you know the nation state idea from the 19th century is kind of sundowning a little yeah so <laughs> i kind of think about how Sometimes people say, oh man, I, I love it. We should just, I wish we could go back to this. I wish we could go back to, you know, this era. I think people might be right, but maybe they're not going back far enough. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, the 1950s. Well, what if we go back to when people actually ran small businesses and were individually responsible and also powerful for their own community, you yeah. know, where they could actually help their own community through creating a product or service yeah. themselves instead of working for a big company. Maybe, maybe you're right, but maybe just go back even further than when big corporations existed to the cottage, in, 
Cottage industries. To cottage industries. Thank you. I wasn't sure if I, if I was using that term correctly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that is where we're really seeing a huge explosion. I see a ton of it online. Everyone is making their own thing and it feels right. Yeah. yeah humans are going to make. You can't stop them. Yeah. Well, that said, I think it's a good time for us to, to wrap it up, call it a day. Yeah. Because I got to get back to work. Yeah. Yeah. You guys do too, probably. Yeah, probably. All right, folks. Well, this has been fantastic. We talked about a lot of things. I'm not even going to try to enumerate them here, but hope you had a great time. Laura, as always, had a great time chatting with you and catch you all on the next lunch break. Bye. Bye. This has been Steven. And Laura. Thanks for tuning into Midday Musings, the podcast where we talk about all the things on our mind. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and jump into the conversation in our polls and Q&As. We would love to hear from you. Catch you next lunch break.